0: This is Roy's Rocket Radio, episode 143, recorded at 11:10 and 20 seconds in the morning on Tuesday, the 12th of July 2016. And hello again. Another slight delay between shows, but we're back. First, a little bit of personal news, not too much because I don't want to boil you. I'm on a diet. <laughs> What happened is, I caught my reflection in a full-length mirror, and now I'm on a diet. It's fine, I feel okay, and it is working. Aided by the fact that I have many exhausting household and gardening chores to help with the exercise component. Okay, let's see... What else have I got to tell you? Okay, nope, that's it for the personal news. On with the writing. Now, I've been talking about putting together a list of places that will accept the submission of my novel, The Horus Box. At the moment, it consists of just agents, and it is a total pain. And you know why? We, as writers, are infinite in number, or almost infinite, if you want to be accurate about it, whereas agents are very much finite. There aren't that many of them. And it's a pain because the websites are terrible. Their websites, the agents. Because they don't have to try that hard. As bad as the sites are, there'll be a writer desperate to get published. I've got to say, I am utterly sick of having to manually data mine each website Looking for the right person to send my manuscript to. It's not going to stop me. I'm going to do it anyway. And, of course, like I said, agents don't have to try that hard. To find clients, that is. You know, I hope after all this, I do manage to find an agent. Also, it's starting to get a bit tiring. And I want to get back to writing rather than doing all these admin type thingies. Remember my highly organised new timetable that I talked about? Doing submissions in the morning, writing in the afternoon? Well, it never happened. I ended up wasting my evenings looking for agents instead of writing. But no more now. And I've spent the weekend, which I usually don't, because I don't usually do anything to do with writing in the weekend, on writing-related tasks. Such as this stupid list. Which meant that yesterday I had a bit less to do. Compiling the list, I mean. And I did have time to have another look at my novel and my other bits of writing. Which was a relief. So far, I have found 42... Actually, now that I think about it, it's around 46... Because I found a few more last night. I was aiming for a 100 for the novel. And I will be submitting soon. But here's the thing. And it isn't something I've talked about yet. Why should we have an agent who will, of course, take 10 to 15%? of our earnings rather than just submitting to a publisher the reason we haven't talked about this is because until yesterday actually i didn't really know the answer to that question myself and i just sort of conflated the two things together because i'm a person who writes not a publishing expert although perhaps i should be So in the next show, we will talk about the difference between a publisher and an agent and why you should have one or the other or both. But at the moment, due to an accident of how I collected the data, my list only contains agents. But I'll be adding publishers to that list soon as well. But again, we'll talk about that next time. Before we leave the subject of writing, I have a few more things to chat about. Again, on the subject of finding an agent, one thing you might notice, many of the agencies are multi-genre and multi-format, so they just don't deal with science fiction. They might also deal with horror and multi-format. They might as well as dealing with novels, they might deal with short stories, they might deal with TV scripts. I'm guessing that some of you might be like me in that you write in multi-formats and multi-genre too. I write science fiction, fantasy, horror. I have written a couple of scripts, but predominantly I write genre fiction. Now, logically... If you see an agent that deals in multiple different things, the temptation is to try and do everything at once. So you've got your novel, you have maybe a script on the back burner, and you might decide, oh, let me tell them about everything I'm doing. I'm not so sure that's a good idea. I've found it best to treat each thing I submit as an entirely new project. At least until I get an agent. And then I have someone to talk to about all the other things I'm doing and they have the connections so they would know. The reason I'm doing it this way and I don't expect you to take every piece of information I give you as advice and follow it verbatim. Of course not. I'm just telling you about how I'm doing things. But I'm not doing it that way mainly because it's such an incredible waste of time. I mean, it's hard enough submitting one novel, but if you end up second-guessing yourself and saying, ah, yeah, you know, but I've got this other thing as well, maybe I should talk about that too, and I've got that other thing, and maybe this other thing, you'll never finish. So I'm not doing that. Let me at least find an agent for my novel first, and then we'll see what happens. Doesn't mean I won't be working on the other stuff. By that I mean actually (laughs) writing it. It's just that I'm not gonna shop around for it till I get this one novel out there. Let's see. Oh, and there's another piece of advice that I'm not following. If you read around about submissions, you will notice one bit of advice you're often given, and that is to only approach agents who are perfect for you, i.e. they are experienced, they actively want to read and are passionate about the kind of writing that you do. They don't already represent a client who is an author too similar to yourself. All those little things or qualifications that we use to grade agents. Now, honestly, if you follow all those rules, then good luck finding an agent, because you'll end up whittling that list down to zero, because there just aren't that many. Especially if you take one town, for instance, like London, which I'm doing because it's a place I can easily get to. On the other hand, I'm not finding agents who have absolutely no interest in anything I'm writing. It's just that I'm not being as fussy as some of the advice tells you to be. Because, like I said, if I did that, I wouldn't find even one agent. And really, that's it. I will, as I said before, talk about Publishers versus agents in the next show, but at the moment, that's it for the stuff that I've been doing now I'm going to talk about the stuff that I've been enjoying. Yeah I box-setted vinyl this is a 2016 Martin Scorsese and Mick Jagger co-production It is about an ailing 1960s record label called American Century. And it's really quite good. There are a few notable bits of acting that I quite like. Bobby Cannavale plays the protagonist, Richie Finestra. And he completely nails the coked-up record company CEO. And also, James Jagger, Mick Jagger's son, is actually pretty good as up-and-coming punk band frontman. Not so sure about the name of the band he fronts called Nasty Bits, which sounds ridiculous. Now, what's bad about it? think it feels way too much in love with that Wolf of Wall Street vibe, not surprising because of Martin Scorsese's input, and that can get a bit wearing at times. I like a lot of the music, and I quite like seeing the whole 70s, vibe of the thing. Unfortunately, there is only one series because the whole thing was cancelled and I didn't find this out until after I'd watched it, but apparently the whole thing is a bit of a turkey. I think that's a bit unfair. I don't think you'll be annoyed by where the first season ends, so it isn't as if you'll be Missing too much if you just do box set the first season. So that's final 2016. I thought it was worth a watch, but apparently I'm in the minority. Next, The Green Room from 2015. This was on limited release, but is available on DVD and Blu-ray in a month or two. It is Jeremy Saulnier's lean survival horror, probably got his name wrong so I apologise for that but Jeremy Saulnier also did that excellent film Blue Ruin, the revenge film that I think I chatted about in a previous podcast, can't remember which one so you're going to have to rewind yourself and figure out where it is but yeah, this is his latest movie and once it about okay we have a young punk band actually when i see them i don't really think of a punk band who've been around long i get the idea that they're students on a break or something but anyway young punk band short of cash accept a gig at a right wing skinheads venue what a terrible idea <laughs> As soon as I heard that bit of the dialogue, I thought, no, they're not actually. Yes, they are. (laughs) And that brings me to the scariest bit of the movie, which isn't the blood or the gore, but it's fairly early on when the band get up on stage and you can see the audience are just a horrible bunch of... Buggish Neo-Nazis. And then they start singing the Dead Kennedys. Well, if you know the Dead Kennedys, you'll know the song that I'm talking about. And I'm not going to mention the title here because then I'll have to say that this particular podcast is explicit. But yeah, look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. Dead Kennedys, Nazi punks. Just google that phrase and you'll see what I mean. Anyway, they get up on stage and sing this extremely anti-Nazi song. And, man, my palms were sweating when I saw that. Later, something happens and the film turns into a survival horror. What I love about Jeremy Saulnier's films is he is showing that there is life in old tropes which I really appreciate because I'm fed up sick to the back teeth really of hearing fellow creatives whine on about the lack of any new stories to tell because you can always tell that same story in a completely different or much better way which is what Jeremy Saulnier is doing. He did it with Blue Rin, just took the generic revenge flick and turned it into something great and amped it up, and he's done the same here with survival horror. And not a zombie in sight. Sadly, this was one of the last movies of Anton Viktorovich Yelchin who, of course, plays the new Pavel Chekhov in the Star Trek reboot movies. Terrible tragedy, really, because although young, he apparently had quite a long career behind him. I googled him, and I believe he was a child actor, so he's had years in the trade, and no doubt had a very long career ahead of him, so rest in peace Anton Yelchin. Excellent movie, well worth a watch, though if I was to criticise one thing I would say that Blue Ruin is a better movie, so also watch that one. Maybe watch them both as a double bill. No, you know what, don't watch them as a double bill, you'll be exhausted. Watch Blue Ruin, then watch something light and fluffy, give yourself a week and then watch The Green Room. So that's the Green Room 2015. Finally, on the technology front, my smartphone is dead, deceased, kaput. It took the toilet dive, which obviously is not a good thing for a smartphone to do. And only a short immersion in fairly clean water killed my Moto E. With the 3G, which is really annoying, because it's managed to cope with numerous knocks, but not water. What a stupid thing. I've complained about this phone before. When I first bought it, I was beset by problems. Mainly, the headphone jack didn't work from the moment I had it. It required two repairs to work, and then I had fairly reliable use from it. But a slight immersion in water, and it still worked while it was wet. But when I turned it off and everything and let it dry, when I tried to turn it back on, well, nothing happened. I couldn't turn it back on. So that is it. Dead phone. And what I noticed, psychologically, from not having my smartphone, is severe information deprivation withdrawal. The world was, is, suddenly too quiet. Which is almost counterintuitive, because there has been a lot of attention on how it is so wonderful to... Disconnect from the internet, maybe carry around a dumb phone, you'll feel so much better. Well, let me tell you, that is complete rubbish. I feel terrible. Although, admittedly, (laughs) I'm sleeping better, but I just don't like it. I'm used to being bombarded by information. Maybe it's just me personally. Maybe it's having some experience as a journalist, but yes, I'm not enjoying this experience. The other thing I've found is, yeah, you know what you can do with a dumb phone, but then what happens with navigation, with not having a camera, with not having an audio recorder handy, all things that are absolutely vital to me. Oh, and not only the phone calls, and. GPS, camera, audio recorder, I forgot to mention MP3 player. I listen to podcasts almost 24 hours a day, and I can't do that anymore. Or I can, but it's a right faff, because now I've dug out my very, very ancient MP3 player. must be almost a decade old now. And I did it the old-fashioned way. Downloaded the individual MP3s that I wanted to listen to, transferred them over with a cable, and it's not... What's the word? Ideal? Optimal. So, if you think you can live without a smartphone, yeah, you can, but it feels terrible. It feels like you've lost a sense, maybe the sense of hearing for me, because everything's suddenly very quiet. You do have more time to do things, but all things considered, I'd rather be connected. And after that mini rant, that is it. That is it for the show today. Thank you for listening. Listen again. Subscribe to the podcast. Contact me. Connect with me on social media. Do all those things. And to do that, go to... RoyMartha.com, that's R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com. My Twitter handle is at RoyMartha, at R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R. If you are listening to this podcast, do me a favour and leave a review in iTunes. That's really important because it keeps me going. Five stars, please. Actually, ten stars. No, that's not possible. Just five stars. Okay, that is it. This was Roy's Rocket Radio, episode 143, recorded on Tuesday, the 12th of July, 2016. And the time at the end of the show is 20 to 1 and 30 seconds. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Bye!